you have your Bibles this morning, take your Bibles and turn over to Joshua. We're going to finish up our study in Joshua. I know we've been skipping around a little bit in the last couple of weeks, but uh, most of it was just claiming the land. And, and then Joshua, as he go, gets to the end of his life, he gives them a final charge, Israel's final orders. And you're going to look at some different things and different passages in chapter 23 and 24 this morning. And just look at this old, uh, old soldier as he, as he knows his life is in. He sees some of the children of Israel going back the way they used to be. It's, it's easy to slide back, you know, and, and, you know and in our Christian life, so many times we make, and we talk a few moments about it, so many times we make a commitment before the Lord when we get saved, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and then we slowly but surely kind of ease back into our old ways. And so as he ends his life, he sees that going on. He's been faithful. He stayed the course and now he's um, wanting to give them one final challenge, so to speak. So Joshua chapter 23, verse 1, the Bible says, And it came to pass a long time after the Lord had given rest unto Israel, for all their enemies round about that Joshua waxed old and stricken in age. And Joshua called for Israel and for the elders and for the heads and for their judges and their officers and said unto them, I am old and stricken in age. And ye have seen all that the Lord your God hath done unto all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God, he hath fought for you. Behold, I have divided unto you by lot these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes from Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off even unto the great sea westward. And the Lord your God, he shall expel them from before you and drive them from out of your sight. And ye shall possess their land as the Lord your God hath promised you. Be ye therefore very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, that ye turn not aside therefrom to the right hand or to the left. Now he's basically saying, hey, look, don't scraddle the fence. You're either with me or against me, amen? Don't get in the middle. Hey, don't go to the left or the right. He says, but cleave unto the Lord your God as ye have done unto this day. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you. I praise you, Lord, to be in your house. I thank you for your people. Lord, I ask you, God, just for a few moments. We talked about power in the blood, Lord. It, next week, we're going to celebrate not only your death, but your burial, but your resurrection, Lord, because you are a living Savior. And Lord, I ask you, God, just for a few moments that you would hide me behind the cross, your blood, and Lord, everything that comes out of the, my mouth, Lord, would be pleasing to you, Lord. But Lord, it would be charging your church, Lord, as Israel was charged. As Joshua was coming to the end of his life, Lord, so often we just, you know, and Joshua knew it was coming, Lord, and we see the book of Judges, how it just come to pass, Lord, even though they said they wasn't going to do that, they still went back and began to worship false idols, Lord. Not so many times, Lord, if we look at our generation after generation after generation in America, how further and further we get away from you, Lord. And I ask you, God, just for a few moments, Lord, you just challenge our hearts, challenge this church, challenge us as believers, Lord, to be the people you called us to be. Lord, and for someone who don't know you, Lord, I ask you, God, that your spirit would draw them this morning and they would be saved. Lord, we just thank you and praise you. And these things we ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. In chapter 23, basically he talks to the elders and the leaders. In 24, he comes to the children of Israel. And as I began to think about that, I think a lot of times in the church, the pastor would go to the, the deacons or the leaders, and then he'll bring it to the congregation. And, you know, 
you know, to me, it might be the pecking order that God already created for us. Amen. So many times we, we think, well, who come up with that? God come up with it. It wasn't something we come up with. We're not that smart. God already knew how to work it out. So I want to look at some thoughts here as Joshua challenges these folks and he gives us basically his final orders or his final commission. Just like Jesus, you know, as he left the earth, he gave a final commission to the church. And so we're going to look at some comparisons this morning. But we see, first of all, his concerns. His concerns as Joshua nears the time of his departure. He's concerned that the people will go back to the way they used to be. And, and you know, you know the rest of the story. That's what's so challenging here. You already know the rest of the story because Israel did go back. And then they got the book of Judges after he died. But, you know, he feared, first of all, that they would become complacent. The Bible says they was resting. They were, they were basically just taking it easy. You know, and so many times once we get saved, so many times, hey, we just want to sit in the pew or sit in the chair, so to speak, and just wait until the Lord comes and gets us. Amen. Hey, we're saved. We're born again. And we might as well just wait till God calls us home. Hey, the sad truth is God didn't call us to do that. Amen. Hey, God called us to be the church. God called us to go out and share the gospel. But these folks were complacent, and so many times we get complacent. And, you know, as you look at the, the church of Laodicea, Jesus said it was lukewarm. You know, lukewarm water is, is not good. You either want cold or hot, right? And, and, you know, so many times churches are lukewarm. They get complacent, and, and they quit doing what God wants them to do. And it's just so easy just to, just to ride it out. It's so easy. We live in America, and everybody just wants to be average. Everybody wants to just barely make it. Everybody just wants to survive. Hey, but God's called us as a church to thrive, not just survive. There's so many churches that are just, st just trying to survive. Not only did he talk about complacency, but he talked about compromise. You know, after they possess the land, it's so easy to go back to worship false idols. And, you know, you say, well, preacher, we don't have that problem. But, you know, I see so many people that used to be on fire for God or used to be or used to have certain convictions about certain things. And for some reason, those convictions are not. And I'm going to share a story with you. And I'm not preaching against this subject or telling you about this subject. But I forget my first church. There's this young lady, her and her husband did the youth group in our church. And, and, and she was a smoker. And that drove me crazy. Amen. You know, not, not that, this, that she smoked, but that she smoked and she taught youth. Because I'm saying, look, if she's going to teach youth, it's teaching them a bad example. And I'm not preaching, like I said, forward against it right now. I'm just telling you an example. And I prayed that the Lord would deal with her or remove her is when I, when I prayed, amen. But I never forget, she was in the choir one Sunday morning. After months and months of praying, she stood up and she said this. She said, the Lord has convicted me about my smoking, and it's a bad testimony. It's, it, you know, and she said, I'm just going to quit smoking. And I'm thinking, hallelujah. And so, so she quit. And I didn't mention it to nobody. I just mentioned it to the Lord. Amen. So she quit smoking. And, you know, I left the church. And then later in life, me and her husband re-reconnected. And we went to dinner with him. And then she was smoking. And after this question, I said, did the Lord change his mind or did you? But you see what I'm saying? So often we say, well, we'll never do that. But then we, 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 we just start sliding back. We'll get, we get, we start compromising maybe the music we listen to or the books we read. And we say, we'll never do that. And, you know, and, and, you know the Bible says this, abstain from all appearances of evil. You know, well, what we like to do in, 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 our, in our American culture, well, in moderation it's okay. Or, or we say, uh, you know, it, it's permissible. 
You know, Paul said because it's permissible don't mean he's going to do it. He said he, said he didn't want to partake in it because of a weaker sister or brother. You know, I, you know, a lot of people like to practice social drinking. I never forget that um, this is one lady. And, and you know what? If you think about the, the Change Life Ministries, Change Life Ministry guys, they're trying to overcome that addiction. They're trying to overcome certain things. But I never forget this lady. She got saved out of alcoholism. And she, and she got saved, and her, her life was radically saved. And then the ladies in the church invited her for a social drink. And it devastated her because she, it was like, it was like a, a, a stronghold in her life. And she had just been delivered from it. And so you say, well, preacher, I, I, I think it's okay. Okay, if you think it's okay, it's between you and the Lord. But, you know, there may be a brother or sister that's been struggling with that. Hey, that needs to get free from that. And, you know, that's just reminding them, amen. So many times we want to argue with what's permissible, what's not permissible. Hey, I want you, the Bible says to work your own salvation out with fear and trembling, amen. And so it's so important that you do that, you work it out, but realizing you have a testimony to keep. But what, but what we like to do in our, in our, you know, so many times in our churches, we want to rationalize, we want to compromise. I remember, you know, back in the day when we had no screens, in the in the church amen if, if you're old as me and i'm not that old but i remember when we bringing in the world in the church and then we, we didn't have nothing but a but a piano and an organ and then, it, then if you bring a guitar or you bring oh man we're bring, that's not what i'm talking about amen i'm not talking about things that that help us worship so many times we want to argue this and that i'm talking about things that may be setting sins or things that may hold you back from a closer relationship with jesus christ you know, and, and, and I always tell people this. If you got to wait to a certain age to do it, besides buying a gun, I don't think you need to do it, amen? Think about it. Think about it. If, if your kids can't go buy it, besides a gun, we're going to have a gun. I believe, we, I, I believe in guns, amen? I believe in gun rights. But besides buying a gun, if your kids ain't enough to buy it, you probably don't need to buy it yourself. I'm, I'm going to get off that soapbox, amen? We're going to move on. But we, we, we need to think about compromise. He was, he was afraid that they were going to compromise, and then he feared their commitment. Joshua feared that the history of the nation, that they weren't going to commit to the Lord like they said. Even in chapter 24, he said, you're not going to be able to do it. You're not going to live, live with the Lord. He said, oh, we'll do it. Jesus said it this way to, to, the, to the New Testament. You said, we don't live in the Old Testament. We don't live by the law. You're exactly right, but this is what Jesus said. He said, he that loveth Father or mother, mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross, follow after me, is not worthy of me. What's he saying? He's saying, look here, he's number one, amen. He's to be number one, not your wife, not your child, not your brother, not your sister, not your mother, not your father. But I want me to be number one in your life. Anything less is wrong, Amen. And, and you, you, may, you may argue with me, but hey, this is what God wants us to do. Why did Jesus Christ die on the cross? He died so we could have a new life, amen? But he wants number one in our lives. The question is this morning, I'm going to ask you, how is your commitment to the Lord? Is he number one in your life? Is he number one in everything you do? Or is he number two, three, four, or five? Or is he even in the top ten? Don't we see his Joshua's concerns, but we see his challenge he begins to challenge the people. This is where he gets in. And the first thing he challenges them is about God's wrath. He basically said, look here, if you serve him, he's going to bless you. If you do everything he called you to do, he'll take care of you. But if you don't, he's going to have wrath. Amen. He's going to chastise you. You know, most people, 
You know, I, I remember as a, as a father and, and even as a child, my dad would say this. When he whooped me, it hurts me more than it hurts you. And I never understood that. I was like, How? then why do it? Amen. <laughs> but then you become a father and you realize, hey, as a parent, you got to tell your kids no. You got to chastise your kids. You know, and, and, and for some reason, our generation has changed a lot. Well, I'm going to talk about generations in a few moments, but it's changed a lot. I remember when I was in school, the principal would send a slip from the school and say, look here, can we whoop your kid? And my dad would sign the slip and send it back and put his name and number on it and say, if you do whoop him, let me know so I can whoop him when he gets home. That's just what my dad was, amen. He wanted to make sure that I got whooped twice. But, he, but, he, but basically he's saying, look here. He said, it's very simple. If you don't do my will, there will be consequences. You know, and our Heavenly Father is clear on that. And, you know, and, the, and you find the children of Israel later, and like I said, the book of Judges, we know the rest of the story. So it's so important that we, as believers, hey, stay in God's will, because if not, we could be like Jonah. We could be in the fish's belly. Or we could be like Tommy Richardson. I don't know if I've ever told you my testimony. I told you about my son, but I'm going to share briefly. I tell people that God speaks in his small, still voice. Or he can throw you off a roof. I run a roofing company 16 years ago. I quit the ministry at my second church. I was frustrated. I was wore out, and I just got out of God's will. And I, and I, I run a roofing company part-time, so I went back to roofing, and I got on the roof, and I told my roofers, do not try this at home. I'm a professional. My famous last words, I fell two stories, not one story, two stories flat on my back. And if you ever fail, you ever fail and just jump right up. I fell and I jumped right up on my feet because I was like, man, hey, I didn't want people to see me fall. But as soon as I jumped back on my feet, my body started going in convulsions. And I, I didn't realize it at the time, but I broke my back in three places. I broke L1, L2, and T12. And then I, I went to, I drove myself to the hospital, actually, because I was hard. Well, I didn't. I wanted to drive myself to the hospital, but I couldn't keep my body from convulsions. So my, my, one of my people did. And, um, but anyway, I, I was in the hospital for seven days. And then I had to wear a body brace, one of those body braces. You ever seen my back surgery for about 10 weeks? And God chastised me, amen? You know, that's how you can, you know, I tell people all the time, that's how you can tell one of the evidence of salvation is a father will chastise a son. And so if, if you get out of God's will, he will chastise you. If, he is, if you're out of God's will and he's not chastised you, he might not be your father. I mean, I'm just, I'm just going to throw that out there because he, he will chastise you. But I always see that he, that he challenged them of their, their wrath, but then he challenged them about God's works. You know, he, he reminds them, hey, that God did this. And, you know, and, and, and what, I, what I love about what he says in, in verse 13 of chapter 4, it says, And I have given you a land which ye did not labor, and cities which ye built not, and ye dwell in them. And of the vineyards and olive yards which is planted, do, do not ye eat. He's saying, look here, I give you all this stuff, and you didn't even earn it. You didn't even do it. Hey, I give it to you. Hey, and, and you say, well, preacher, that's fine and dandy, but what's God done for us? First of all, he died on the cross. Amen. Not only did he leave the splendors of heaven, he was born in a human form, and he was all God, all man, but he died on the cross, and he didn't stay there. He rose. Not only did he die on the cross, but he loved us so much. When we were lost, the Bible says, even though we were at sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. Then he came to us. He, 
He called himself, you know, he called us to him. He drew us. He saved us. He forgave us. I love this part. He adopted us. You know, when someone gets adopted to a family, it's just like they were born into the family. I tell people, and I love, I love, I can't wait, Brother Chris, till I get to heaven. But, you know, I, you know, he sang it about a few moments ago. We're heir to the throne. Amen. My, my big brother is Jesus. And I tell people, I'm going to be Prince Tommy one day. Amen. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm telling you, Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And we're, we, you know, when you get adopted, amen, you become an heir. Hey, it's just like you were born into the family. I love that. And God adopted us. He didn't just, you know, you know the children of Israel was one of his special nations. You know, I'm glad they, they rebelled so God can bring the Gentiles in, amen, so we could be there. We could be adopted. And he brought us in. He called us to church, you know, and, and it's so important. But not only did he, he adopt us in the family, but the Bible says he promised to build us a home. You know, I, I don't know how you were raised. I was raised real poor, and I lived in a trailer park. There's nothing wrong with living in a trailer park. But my Bible tells me when I die, I'm going to have a mansion, amen, that he's preparing it right now. And, you know, I, I've never lived in a mansion. I've had some nice houses in my life. Right now, I'm and my wife live in a camper, but that's temporary. All that's temporary. One day, God's going to give me a mansion, and the Bible says, ear have not, or ear have not heard or eyes have not seen what he's prepared for us. Amen. We can imagine the best of the best, and it ain't nothing what God's going to give us. And I tell people, I think the reason he puts streets of gold in heaven is because, hey, we put it high basically high on earth but it's asphalt in heaven and it ain't worth nothing we're just gonna walk on it we're gonna drive whatever we're gonna do you know but not only is he, is he, he promises a home but he meets our needs he blesses every day the bible says he will not leave us nor forsake us you know she's singing about her heavenly father a few moments ago you know you know our earthly fathers may have fell us and and our you know they, the relationships may go bad but jesus christ will never forsake us amen he's always there you know, he, he, he wants to, and look here, child of God, he wants to have a relationship with you. Hey, if you're lost this morning, he wants to have a relationship with you. But I only see a challenge of his, his works and his wrath, but a challenge of the will of God. Joshua tells the people that the Lord's will for them is to serve him faithfully. And I want to challenge you today, remind you that God wants us, hey, to serve him faithfully. Amen. He, he wants our will to be his will he wants us to do exactly what he's called us to do you know the whole church you know so many times we as believers and i've heard this at, at revival meetings we want a revival in our church you know i preached revival the last last couple of weeks and i actually got to close one out wednesday and everybody says we want revival in our church and we start looking at other people hey you know it needs to start in you amen and you know what we like to do is we like to look at say brother allen is is, is a deacon i'm just using an example and say i want to be like brother allen I want to be like, like Sister Jan. I want to be like this person, that person. Hey, we should never compare ourselves. That want to be like anybody but Jesus. He's the only perfect one. But so many times we think if we reach this, this kind of, basically this kind of standard, hey, we'll, we'll be okay. Hey, but God wants us to be like him. Hey, and we'll never meet that standards. But so many times we, we, that's why we settle for the mediocre. Hey, we want to be this, we want to be that. Hey, the only person we can compare ourselves to is Jesus. No one else. But now we consider his will, but lastly, his witness. Joshua makes a strange statement to people. He tells them that they cannot serve the Lord. And it's, it's, in, it's in chapter 19, verse, verse, I mean, 24, verses 19 through 24. But he, but he says this. 
He said, you can't do it, but as for me and my, my house, we will. And I, how many people got that plaque in, in their house? I mean, I have it all over plastered, you know, several places. For, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The question is, you may have that plaque in your house, but is that reality in your house? But now we see his concern and his challenge, but we see lastly, we see his covenant. He makes a covenant with the people. It involved the great stone. In verses 25 through 28, it says this. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and sent them a statute and ordinance in Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God, took a great stone and set it up there under an oak that was by the sanctuary for the Lord. And Joshua said unto all the people, Behold, the stone shall be a witness unto us. For I have heard all the words of the Lord which he spake unto us. It shall be the Therefore, a witness unto you, lest ye deny your God. You know, he set up a memorial and said, look here, every time you see that stone, it's a witness. to let you know, hey, hey, this is what happened. This is what you agreed to. You know, we don't, we don't erect stones in our life. Now, some churches will do memorials and stuff like that, but we, but we like to, re do you remember, let me ask you this question. Do you remember the day you got saved? I mean, I remember the day I got saved. And there were some things in my life that, I, that, that, I, that, I, that, I, that I promised the Lord. There were some things in my life that I said I would do even when I committed to ministry. You know, I, I committed to ministry at 27 years old. I got called at 15, but I didn't submit until I was 27. And then, as, as I told you a few moments ago, I, I quit. And then God got my attention because I got out of his will. But how many times have we made a promise to the Lord and we forgot about it? Or, you know, remember when you get saved, say, Lord, every time, you know, now I'm going to be in, you know, I remember when I got saved, brother. Kent, I was in the church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. They had visitation. I was there. I was there every time I could be there because I was excited. I was saved. Amen. But as I talked about it earlier, how often do we just, you know, it's easy to start sliding here and there. And you say, well, preacher, you don't understand. I, I do understand so many times we let other things get in the way. And our commitment, you know, and it's so often we forget about the promise we made to the Lord. You know, and I, I, I mentioned D.L. Moody, and I mentioned him a few moments, but D.L. Moody mentioned, you know, he, if he could find it, you know, he, he shook it the world upside down in two continents. But Ecclesiastes says this, Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God, and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. For they consider not that they do evil. Be not rash with thy mouth. Let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God, for God is in heaven, thou upon the earth. Therefore, let thy words be few. For a dream cometh through the multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by the multitude of words. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it. For ye have no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than thou shouldest vow or not pay. Basically, St. Lincoln, don't make a promise you ain't willing to keep. Don't, don't say you're going to do something. But we all, you know, I mean, I, I, well, I'm, I'm going to speak for myself. I know I've been there. You know, James says if, if you know to do good and not do it, it's sin. How many of us can honestly say we know to do good and we've not done it before? The Bible says it's sin. It's clear. It's, there's no gray area there. Amen. It's sin. And so it's so important that we, we, we keep those short accounts of God. But not only did we, we look at a great stone, but we looked at it involved graves. There's three graves here mentioned. And the grave of Joshua, 
in chapter, um, chapter 4, verse 28, says, So Joshua let the people depart, every man in his inheritance. And it came to pass after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. This is a grave of faithfulness. It's basically a picture of a faithful man who died serving the Lord. You know, there's a lot of people, and you may know them, and you may be one of them who started out really well. I talked about it, amen. We get, we get saved, we get on fire, we're doing all these great things. And then for whatever reason, we slide back, but we don't finish well. Let me tell you this tonight, or this morning, if you have breath in your body, you can finish well, amen. Hey, you still got a chance. Hey, you still got a chance to rally it up, move forward, and do what God's called you to do. And number two, now we see the gravestone of faithfulness, but the gravestone of fulfillment. The Bible says in 32, that the body bones of jo Joseph, which the children of Israel brought up out of Egypt, buried them in Shechem. And parcel of ground which Jacob bought of the sons of Hamor and the father of Shechem for a hundred and pieces of silver and became an inheritance of children of Joseph. You know, back over in, in Genesis when Joseph died, he asked him, hey, I want to be buried back in my homeland. They carried the bones all along. I don't know who was in charge of that, but man, that's how, hey, they fulfilled that promise. Hey, he basically said, look here, I've told you I was going to bury him and I took him and he buried him. And then, we see the gravestone of finality in verse 33. Eleazar, the son of Aaron, died, and they buried him in a hill that pertained to the Phoebus, his son, which was given him by Mount Phirium. Basically, he was the priest that died after Aaron. Basically, he's the one that carried on. He, he carried the priesthood on after Moses, after Aaron, and now he, he's dead. And now, who's the next person to carry on the generation? So what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying it's, it. Joshua carried on for Moses. Elijah carried on for Elijah. Hey, it's our turn to carry the man away, man. Hey, we need some more men and women that are like Elijah and Joshua that's willing to, hey, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, and, and we need some more Paul and Tim, or, or, or Timothy and Titus's, amen. Paul encourage them you know that it's so important that we realize hey the same god they served is the same god we served the only thing difference is our commitment level just like there and, and i said mentioned d.l moody i, I got it in my notes is that the bible says this that henry varley said this the world has not and i mentioned this when i first started preaching this series the world has yet to see what can what god can do with and for and through and by the man who is fully and wholly consecrated to him and Moody said, I'll be that man. The question is this morning, would you, are you willing to be that woman and that man in our generation? As I was sitting on a pew this morning, I, I grabbed my wife's phone. I leave my phone in the truck to keep from distraction. And I, I looked up the generations. I didn't know all the generations. I, but we, 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 you know, the greatest generation is 1901 to 1927. I don't know why they call the greatest and you may, may, may educate me on that. But then the silent generation is 1928 to 1945. And then the baby boomers, amen. The baby boomers, which is one of the biggest generations, is 1964 or 1946 to 1964. And then the Generation Xers, amen, that's us, that's me, 1965 to 1980. And then the millennials, 1981 to 1995. And then Generation Z, 1996 to 2010. And then Generation Alpha, which I didn't know existed until this morning when I looked it up, 2011 to 2025. So what are you saying? Why do you mention that, preacher? Because it's, 
it's every generation's responsibility to hand it off to the next generation. And if you, and if you look at the children of Israel and their history, it got weaker and weaker from generation to generation. That's what he was saying. But you remember a few weeks ago I mentioned in our generation, when, when I was raised by a baby boomer, a baby boomer amen, and I, we had Sundays were closed off, and Sundays was a holy day, and we didn't cook, we didn't go out to eat, we didn't do all these things. But our generations got complacent and it's compromised. And, and you say, well, that's old-fashioned. Hey, okay, it may be old-fashioned, but if you notice, our nation's getting further and further away from God. Regardless if that's old-fashioned, you, you, can, you can agree with me that we're getting further and further away from God. You know, we're, we're letting the schools teach sex education instead of the parents. And, we, and they're trying to figure out, hey, can we let kids now figure out their gender? God already figured that out when he was born, amen. Hey, but, you know, but it's our, it's, our, it's our job as parents, it's our job as a church. Hey, to pursue this generation and point them to Jesus, amen. And the torch is being handed to us, church. If you're a baby boomer, hey, if you're a Generation X or a millennial or even a Z, hey, it's our responsibility to carry it to the next generation. You know, there's some, there's some millennials here. Hey, there's some Generation Zs here. Hey, it's our responsibility, church. Hey, we'd be willing to say, look here, I'm going to take the torch. Hey, you know, one, one thing, I love this verse, and it's in second, I think it's in 2 Timothy 2, 2, but where Paul told Timothy to, to take what he's been taught and to train others that would be able to, train, to, to teach others also. I hope I didn't mess up that up verse too much. But, hey, look, it's our job to teach others so others will teach others. Hey, so we need to continue doing that, parents, grandparents, until Jesus calls us home. Joshua knew that, hey, if he didn't pass the torch on to someone else, that it was going to go, and, and you, you know the rest of the story. And like I said, in, in American history, we were called a Christian nation. And you know what's sad is you talk to most people, they would say they're a Christian but they don't have the relationship. And hey, I, I want to die telling people about Jesus. Amen. And I hope that's your heart desire. And, you know, I hope, I hope to, this morning, you know, hey, as we look at Joshua and close out the chapter, we'll be like Joshua. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. If that's not your prayer, if that's not your heart, hey, we're going to have an invitation in a few moments. Hey, there's nothing wrong with coming up here and recommitting your life. You know, Joshua told him, hey, you need, you, need, you need to get right. Hey, I'm telling you what's going to happen. And I'm telling you, church, you know, we can wait till the next pastor of this church gets here. But he's just a man just like he's human, just like you're human. You know, we need to set our eyes on Jesus and what Jesus wants us to do. You know, he's, he's going to be God's man. But it's so important that we get right and get ready. And, 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 and when he gets here, hey, we can. Have our marching orders and move forward and be the church God's called us to be. Because there's people that's dying and going to hell. I used to hear it all the time, dying and going to hell in a handbasket. But what are we doing about it? Are you discipling? Are you pouring into people? Are you, are you reaching out on a weekly, daily basis? Hey, God's called us to do that. Let's, let's be the ones who make, who, who, who the generation, and I always tell people there's a remnant, amen. I want to be a part of that remnant, that glass great revival you know, I, you know, I want to be, and if, if it's my generation or if it's generation millennials, but we need a revival, not only in our churches, not only personally, but in our world.
to draw this nation back to God. And if you're lost this morning and you hear what I'm saying, hey, I encourage you, hey, if God's calling you, get saved this morning, amen. Hey, don't leave here without him. Hey, what a greater, greater way to start. I, I don't like to call it Easter. I call it Resurrection Sunday than giving your life to Jesus Christ. And what greater way would it be to, to celebrate Holy Week this week than accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning,